1: head over to my website www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu. You'll also be able to find the various services that we provide at IVF Australia. This talk is going to be about the outcomes of IVF when it's successful. Obviously the outcome of IVF that's successful is a baby. And IVF babies are probably the most studied of any group of babies ever born. And this is because we've, in a sense, artificially created them. And when we artificially create things, sometimes there's a possibility of not getting it right. And interfering with nature potentially may lead to aberrations that we may not have expected. In Australia in 1982, after only a half a handful of babies had been born in Australia, this concern led the Fertility Society to actually set up a register of all births of IVF babies. And that continues today. The Australian New Zealand Assisted Reproduction Database requires all clinics to report all cycles undertaken in Australia and New Zealand and the outcomes of those pregnancies. And so we've been able to build up a substantial database. Around the world, and in Australia, specific groups of babies have been looked at as differing techniques of producing an IVF pregnancy uh, have been developed, things like ICSI, like blastocyst, growing them on for five days, freezing embryos. Each of those groups of children have been studied in substantial detail. The results of those investigations, on the whole, are reassuring that IVF pregnancies, however they're conceived with any of those technologies, appear to be not different to the rest of the population in almost every sphere. On a regular basis, however, small studies from various countries around the world make news headlines because, of course, the media are really only interested in the sensational stories that IVF causes problems. The media love these stories that say IVF causes X or Y, that children are different, they've got less intelligence or higher risk of high blood pressure. But for every one of those stories, there are at least three or four other publications from other researchers around the world saying that there's no difference only the sensational stories that the media publish so what's really the overall perspective well the overall perspective on the outcome of babies after IVF is positive what you mightn't have read in the press because it wasn't there was a big study from Melbourne showing that children born after IVF are actually intellectually cleverer than their naturally conceived siblings there's evidence that Neurological development, as well as intellectual development, is no different in IVF pregnancies compared with, with normally conceived pregnancies. The risk of cancer in children is no different between fertility patients having babies through IVF and those babies born through natural conception. There are differences in the birth weights of babies conceived through IVF compared with normally conceived children, particularly if the embryo was put back in a fresh cycle. And made worse if you put two embryos back and only one survives and grows on to produce a baby. But that difference, while it's statistical in big population studies, is only about 150 grams. So that's the difference between being 3.2 kilograms and being 3.35 kilograms. Really, is that a particularly relevant difference? And the answer is probably no. There is a difference in the time of birth. It does seem that babies born through IVF as single babies, not twins, but single babies, deliver slightly earlier, on average, than natural conception. Again, that difference is only a matter of some four or five days, so it probably has no relevance. Interestingly, that difference disappears when you use a frozen embryo to be put back rather than a fresh transfer. In addition, when you put a frozen embryo back, that difference in the birth weight between IVF and naturally conceived singletons also disappears. So in many ways, frozen embryos are slightly better than fresh in regards to those issues. But the long-term really does seem to be not a problem. The biggest difference created by IVF and in some countries it's a major health problem is the twinning that goes on when you put two or more embryos back. Now in Australia we've made huge inroads and indeed in 2016 the most recent data shows that less than 17% of embryo transfers are with more than one embryo so 83% of all transfers are single and those babies the result therefore are mostly like 96.4% of all babies born from IVF in Australia and New Zealand are now singletons twins are less than four percent we actually lead the world in that statistic and that means there are less babies in intensive care less babies dying less babies with cerebral palsy because they are the reasons that we have avoided double embryo transfer since the mid 2005 so uh, Australia has led the world in reducing the number of twins this has happened in the last decade as we've realized these risks, which are so significant for babies conceived as twins. So the one proven difference between naturally conceived pregnancies and IVF pregnancies isn't the IVF pregnancies, it's the ICSI pregnancies. The pregnancies conceived when a single sperm is injected into the egg. And obviously in that situation, nature has really been taken out of the game. And in those situations where we have used ICSI to create a pregnancy that would otherwise never have occurred because of sperm problems, severe sperm problems, those children have a slightly higher chance of having a congenital abnormality. That risk rises from something around 4% in the general population to around 6% in the ICSI-conceived children. That's not Totally surprising because it's likely that the reason for the severe per- sperm problem is a genetic one and that will be transmitted to the offspring. But it's still a very small chance. 94% of all babies born from ICSI are still going to be absolutely normal. And while those abnormalities can lead to health problems into the future, the majority of those abnormalities are able to be dealt with in a way that virtually normal life will be able to be had by those children. But that's the only thing that has been found now that more than 7 million babies worldwide have been born through IVF. And certainly if it was any more than those small numbers, we would know by now. We're 40 years on from the first pregnancy. In Australia, more than 250,000 children born through IVF if there were significant problems, we certainly would have seen them by now. The doomsdayers are still saying the oldest child is now only 40. When these children get old and uh, go into their middle age and beyond, there may be problems that we haven't found yet. Perhaps that's true, but the evidence so far is that it's all very good. And don't forget that you can access all the previous episodes by going to our website www www.theivfjourney.com and select IVF Journey Podcast from the navigation menu.
0: Thank you for listening to The IVF Journey with Dr Michael Chapman, the podcast which helps couples negotiate their way through the IVF Journey all the way to parenthood. You can also ask questions by contacting Dr Chapman's rooms on 800 311 483 or by emailing him michael.chapman at ivf.com.au.